Sounds of Vibes, Sarah Lapsley. Sarah, how are you? Hi, everybody. I'm Sarah Lapsley. So it's a beautiful sunny day. We've got Robin here dancing. Is that it kind of... Um, that's when we're when we're going to be broadcasting. We're going to be giving you interviews and performances from uh, fringe artists. Um, and I'm here with my co-host from the Arts Report, Wednesdays at 5, Sarah Lapsley. Sarah, how are you? Hi, everybody. I'm Sarah Lapsley. So it's a beautiful sunny day. We've got Robin here dancing. Is that it kind of... Um, that's when we're when we're going to be broadcasting. We're going to be giving you interviews and performances from uh, fringe artists. Um, and I'm here with my co-host from the Arts Report, Wednesdays at five. Sarah Lapsley. Sarah, how are you? Hi, everybody. I'm Sarah Lapsley. So it's a beautiful sunny day. We've got Robin here dancing. Is that it? Kind of. I can't talk right now. This phone is being used for a live broadcast. Oh, okay, sorry. 
is uh, a favorite of mine, and it goes out to, uh, I don't know, all the girls I've ever loved before. Searching for a dream I became infected Wish I got so drastic Started dancing dirty With my nose up on the scene I said I'm reaching for the top He lets you be my man That makes you an already Are you in the mood? Ooh, yeah, yeah Oh, oh yeah Oh, oh, oh When I'm staring, thought she was a virgin Swore she knew my partner had an appetite to freak Said I'll call me on my page, or well, I said I'll see you later Stood him by the doorway, well, I told him not to speak I said I'm reaching for the top beat, that's you, be my man That makes you when I'm ready, I in the mood Ooh, if you want to rock, I'm ready, I'm ready Said if you want to run, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm stroking on that funk and I'm ready, baby. Turn your engines up and I'm ready, baby. I'm talking backward all night. Give me headed. Are you in the mood? No, 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 no. I think I need a drummer for this one. If you want to rock, I'm ready. If you want to rock, I'm ready. Hey, we're back at the Fringe Festival. I'm Sarah Lapsley, the co-host of the Arts Report, here with Megan. Hello, Radioland. It's Megan, host of the Arts Report and Arts Director at CITR. What is happening? 
Um, we are here at the live broadcast from 5-ish, I guess, to 7. Um, and we are broadcasting on CISHARE.ca on 101.9 FM. And uh, I think Robin is going to pump up the jams a little bit throughout the day with uh, songs from the Fringe and from local artists that are playing right here at the St. Ambrose stage, which is what we're supposed to call it. It's very the specific. The St. Ambrose stage? Yes, at the Barefoot Wine and Bubble stage at the St. Ambrose Fringe Bar. Yes. That's cool. I like St. Ambrose. confusing. But um, we just, you know, we talked already, mm-hmm. but it didn't go out, so we're sorry about that. You didn't hear the great things we just said. Yeah. So... In, so when they don't hear it, you don't have to actually tell them. It's a secret. But I want them to know that we were our, there. You're spilling our radio secrets. Anyway, um, we are I am the spiller of secrets. here today for the next hour and a half talking to artists at the Fringe Festival. And um, we are actually going to get started right away. You just heard, uh, you just heard a song from her play Threads. Um, Tonya Miller is here, and um, she's going to talk to us a little bit about her show, and um, which is happening all throughout the Fringe Festival. Um, let me get the dates all up in your grill right now. Um, it is going to be playing um, tonight um, at uh, 6.45, and then Thursday at 8.40, and then Saturday at 7.50 at the Waterfront Theater on Cartwright Street. Um, Tanya, welcome, and uh, welcome. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I thought I was supposed to also say something to you, but I'm going to give you my mic. How's it been going so far? It's been going really well, actually. I was really excited to do this fringe. I've done a number of fringes on the circuit, but um, a lot of my friends, touring artist friends from the circuit are from here, and they speak very highly of it, and so I I really wanted to make sure that, you know, I I applied last year, didn't get in, so this year I was very excited, and so far it's been everything that I wanted. (laughs) So I'm just reading the synopsis here. Is this a true story? It's a true story, Um, a completely true story. I wrote it uh, after interviewing my mom. about her life and how she got from being a farm girl in Indiana to teaching English at the Buddhist University in Saigon in 1968, which was probably the least opportune time in history to go there. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those you really couldn't make it up if you tried truth is stranger than right. fiction stories. So for our listeners, what happened to her when she was in Saigon? Um, well, for example, her very first night... Um, in country, she was awoken to uh, soldiers kicking in her bedroom door and surrounding her bed right outside the mosquito net with machine guns pointed at her head because um, basically every you know every night the South Vietnamese soldiers would go door to door searching for people that were harboring Viet Cong and when they came to the family that she was staying with and they came to their house they were just very nervous because she was there and they didn't know how some people would respond to her ha- them having an American because you know it was. It was, you know, those the sentiment there, the anti-American sentiment, was very hidden, and sometimes it was overt. But they, so they were nervous. So the soldiers thought that they were hiding something, which, in fact, they kind of were, but not what the soldiers thought. Right. But so she was, you know, it was very, if you can imagine, jet lag and culture shock, and then waking up to having guns pointed in your face. Yeah. You know, um, and obviously she survived. Wow. <laughs> so, and you decided to write her story. What? What made you want to do that? 
Actually, I was um, taken on a tour of the Fringe Circuit in 2009 as part of an ensemble group. Um, we were a four-woman show, um, and I didn't really know that the Fringe Circuit existed. I had done the New York Fringe, which is not part of the CAF Fringe Association, and quite frankly, any fringe that isn't is way low down on my, mm-hmm. <laughs> my radar. But um, So I was introduced to the Canadian Fringe Festivals, and, um, and, I, and when you're a traveling artist... And you're in these cities for like two weeks at a time. Aside from doing your show, all you can really afford to do is trade comps with the other artists and go see their shows. So that summer I saw something like 50 shows and it was just so inspiring and it Mm -hmm. kind of blew my mind and made me realize that art is anything and everybody has a story and a different way of telling it. So there's not really any doing it right or wrong. There's just doing it. And um, so I went home and I... I kind of had this idea, like, I think some of my mom's stories would be cool. I actually had seen a show in Winnipeg in 2009 called Jake's Gift, which is probably familiar to Vancouverites because Julie Mackey's show is, like, a fringe legend, and she tours it all over. Um, And that was the show that kind of made me go, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, totally outrageous. I don't have to have musical numbers or audience participation or improv or anything. Just a simple, like, little theatrical storytelling show could go over really well. So... At the same time, um, somebody just randomly asked me, how did your mom get to Vietnam? And I realized I didn't know the answer. Not really. So I sat down with her and I started, and that was the first question I asked. We sat down, she looked at me, I turned the videotape on, and she said, you know, how do we do this? And I said, I don't know, I've never written a one-person show before, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, But then I said, I'll just start with how you got to Vietnam. And... Um, and the cool thing about it is, like so many stories, um, she started and then she stopped. And she's like, well, no, actually, it all started really back before that. And she stopped again. And she she did that like three or four false starts. And finally, she started telling me this story. And while I'm listening to it, I knew it was very important for her to get it across. But I couldn't understand what it had to do with her getting to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And then the very last thing she said is essentially the last line of my play. And it gave me goosebumps. And I realized, like, wow, you just never know. Um, these little interactions we have with people in our lives. You never know that maybe this small, tiny thing is extremely profound and going to affect you in a way you could never guess. But looking back, you go, if not for that situation, if not for all these little series of happy accidents, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. Well, it sounds really compelling. Thank Uh, you. Yeah. (laughs) And you wrote some music to go along with it. Is that right? I didn't write music. Okay. I don't don't know where where that that music came from. Um, But, um, (laughs) (laughs) sorry. The, uh, the music that uh, does appear at the very end and at the beginning of the house make is, okay. music is pretty just like pretty much just like sixties, you know, classic stuff. Right. And so, how do you feel doing a little bit of? Would you do a little bit of monologue for us? Um, I can. Okay. okay. How how long? About how long do you want? I don't know. Just like whatever you feel comfortable with, a minute or something. Okay. I don't know which part to do. This is okay. So I, I will. I have to set this up just a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, this is a very exciting moment. Um, so the last time she was there was in 1975 during the evacuation of Saigon. She was eight and a half months pregnant with me, trying to get my dad's family out. She was um, supposed to go home on an orphan flight. She met up with these people at the orphanage, turned her papers and passport into them because they were going to get all checked in, and then went and sat down and started playing with some kids and then turned around and realized that everybody was gone with her passport. So she crazy, crazy ran for the base. It was able to get onto the, you know, the major base where all the flights were taking off of. And this is essentially her... Um, walking into this room trying to get help from somebody, okay? 
right. So the huge room has rows of Vietnamese women, four abreast, typing on these ancient typewriters. But in the back of the building, I see an American, a very thin, gangly American sitting at a desk. There is an orphan flight leaving, and they have my passport and my medical records. I am supposed to be on that flight, and I'm having a baby. The man turns white. A war is one thing. A woman having a baby is something entirely different. Now, wait, I don't have time. I'm supposed to be on this flight. Do you know anything about an orphan flight that's scheduled to leave? It's out on the runway and has been given the go-ahead to take off. Well, I am supposed to be on that plane. Can you stop it? It's too late. Please, try. They have my papers. I'm going to have a baby, and I'm not going to be able to get out of this country. He picks up the phone, makes a call. 30 seconds later, in walks this guy. He's 6'6", 240, a huge man ambling in. This woman's supposed to be on that orphan flight. Get her over there. And the new guy says in this Texas drawl, we'll never get over there. Please try. So he throws me into an open top Jeep and off we tear down a road that has holes in it big enough to swallow a car. Faster, faster. Lady, you're going to get us both killed. We get to the runway and he points. It's taxiing, already moving. Follow that plane. I can't drive out there on the runway. Follow that plane plane we hit the tarmac and red lights start flashing and sirens go off all kinds of stuff converges on us this american marine truck cuts in front of us and we have to stop this marine comes up with his gun out and his face red what the i am having a baby and i'm supposed to be on that plane the marine radios the plane and they radio back that if they stop they're not going to get off the ground so the marine takes me out of the jeep and puts me in his truck then we are underneath the moving plane a hatch opens, a rope ladder comes down, and this Marine throws me, eight and a half months pregnant, over his shoulders, climbs the ladder, and tosses me into the belly of the moving plane. Then he's gone. Somebody in the plane grabs me and starts running me towards the back. By the time they get me strapped into a seat, the plane is airborne. The world goes from horizontal to vertical. Wow. Great job. I was just like, my jaw was like <laughs> on the ground. That's amazing. It's a crazy. And you were there. I was there in her belly. It all happened. And actually the funniest review I ever got was like, this woman was like, it sounds more like an action movie than a real story. I'm like, well, that's kind of the point. The truth is always crazier than yeah, you can make up. It is. You know? Well, thank you so much. So just yeah. remind us of the details of your production. Okay, it's called Threads um, and it's playing at the Waterfront Theater. I have a show tonight at 6.45 and then a show at um, 8.40 on Thursday and 7.50 on Saturday. So I hope to see lots of lovely Vancouverites Thank you. there. That's the show Threads. Thank Thanks you. a lot. I'm going to turn it over to Megan. Hello again, Radio Land. Uh, we are going to have a special treat for you um, from Radio 30, which is from the Night Kitchen out of Toronto. It's going to be playing at uh, Waterfront Theatre um, uh, tonight at 8.30, tomorrow at 9.10, Friday at 8.55, and then Saturday, a little afternoon show for you. And it's the Vancouver premiere of Chris Earle's dark comedy about a silver-tongued voice actor who comes a, a little bit wanky during a 30-second radio ad. Those things are harder than they look, um, I swear. And um, it's a bit of a family affair. So we have uh, Chris and Sam here at the Fringe Bar. How are you guys doing today? Good. Hey. Yeah, hey. Fantastic. <laughs> Great to be here. Um, so we are gonna we're gonna get to hear a little like sneak peek um in a minute, but I wanna hear a little bit about what kind of inspired you to put this together. Um and 
Well, was it from an actual producing a radio ad? Or? Yeah, it was. It was because I started to do voice work. I'm an actor, uh, and I and I started to do as, a, as agents will do. They'll send you out for whatever they can <laughs> make money at, and. Um, my agent started sending me out for uh, for radio and TV commercial voiceovers, and um, took a long time. But I started to book them. I started to get the work, um, and uh, and for a while there, I was was really hot. I was doing a lot of them and making a lot more money doing that than I'd ever made at regular old acting before. Um, but I was always struck by how what a bizarre and sort of very surreal, artificial environment it is to be in this little tiny booth um, and the producers, the agency people, the clients are on the other side of the glass. You can't really hear what they're saying about you. Um, you know, the engineer or the director comes in and, and every once in a while gives you notes and it's a very peculiar sort of Twilight Zone-ish experience sometimes, especially when things don't go very well. Which sometimes happens. What? On radio? You don't say. <laughs> um, so, okay, so what was the spark or the moment or the inspiration to go into voice work was it did you get the opportunity first and you said oh i'm gonna make it work or i i I think just one of my agents my agency had a voice department and an agent thought i had a nice sounding voice and started to send me out i was also working at the second city doing sketch comedy and they tend to get a lot of those people to come out to do those quirky funny radio ads the character driven you know, radio ads, uh, you know, squabbling husbands and wives and that kind of stuff. Uh, so uh, that was kind of where it started. Now, do you have a, a voice that you bust out that's maybe a family favorite? Or, you know, if you have teenagers, a family like, oh, I can't believe you just did that? <laughs> um, I think Sam should speak to that. What is uh, your Sam most slash least favorite <laughs> voice that your dad does? Uh, I find myself imitating his actual voice a lot. <laughs> Which I guess is kind of mean. He's um, always mocking me. Really? Can you? Are you I guess bust I take it, it for granted. Right I guess I. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the visuals um, were highly accurate on that. <laughs> um, no, I guess I take it for granted. He's good at voices. This is true. This is true. I'm learning his ways now that I'm doing the show with him, and I'm only a voice in the show, so that's kind of trippy. Um, now, you've been brought into kind of the night kitchen as kind of a family affair. Is this your first show together? Actually, um, when I first got into acting in grade four, uh, that was also my dad's show. <clears throat> um, so, yeah. So, actually, since then, we haven't done anything. But, yeah, that's, I started on stage with them, and now it's kind of this reunion. I've come full circle. It's a new chapter in my acting career, it feels like. Okay. Yes. Now, one of the things is that um, that I was reading about this was just that uh, the uh, the radio guy, this radio guy, he tends to kind of he's kind of blurring where he's like professional. Uh, you're kind of you're tricking people, right? You're tricking people with yeah, your voice, and right. there, there's some personal professional boundaries that start to get blurred. Yes, uh, <laughs> the, a parallel story in the play is he starts to reveal to the audience. Uh, he starts to tell stories about his own personal life and times when he the, the white lies of advertising started to creep into his own life, specifically a relationship he was involved in with a, a best friend and the best friend's wife and a bit of a love triangle. Um, and so there are parallels between him as the smooth-talking, friendly, nice voice guy and the kind of friend he was to this couple. 
Radio drama, am I right? <laughs> drama. Zing. Um, so you're going to give us a little a little sneak peek right now of uh, a bit from the, the play. Can you set this up for us? Yes. Uh, this is where, just near the top of the show, he is preparing to record the first take of this 30-second radio ad. So he's chatting with his an- engineer and getting directions on the kind of read they want. At the same time, he's also talking to the audience and kind of letting them in on the tricks of the trade. So he goes back and forth between talking to Mike, the engineer, and also talking to the audience about why he's so good at what he does. Ever have one of those days? Ever wonder why? Ever wonder why? Ever wonder why? So, Mike, what sort of a read are we looking for here? Well, let's try one pretty straight ahead. Okay. Warm, friendly, not too much sell. Sure. Uh, Maybe a tiny bit tongue-in-cheek, but just a tiny bit. Right. Just give us that wrong thing. (laughs) (laughs) I have a certain sound that I'm known for, a certain thing that I do. Warm, friendly, natural, like I'm just talking, talking to a friend. Hey. How's it going? How are you? Hey, I heard about this thing. It's really good. I know you've already got a similar thing, but I think this thing might be better than the one you've got. It's really great. And it does some things that your thing doesn't do. It doesn't cost that much. It's great. You should get one. But hurry, or there might not be any left. It's the wrong thing. Like talking to a friend. Best friends. You're my best friend. I had a best friend once. Then I slept with his wife. All right, so we're pretty much set in here. Uh, Let's run it down for timing. This is Chester's 30-second radio. We're adding the voice of the announcer. This is one of those days. Take one, and we're rolling. Ever have one of those days? Ever wonder why? Maybe you got out of the wrong side of the bed. Maybe it's in the stars. Or maybe it's just bad karma. At Chester's, we don't care what kind of a day you're having. We'll make it all better. Great food, great service, at a great price. And for the kids, check out our new little Chester combo. A delicious burger, fries, and your choice of drink, all for just four ninety-nine. Chester's, for one of those days. Ron, sir? Yes, sir. I have one thing to say after a take like that, and that, my friend, is you are a machine. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Hello, Mr. One Take Wonder. Wow. That was awesome. Ah, well. (laughs) Seriously, we're loving it in here. Just a couple of thoughts. Okay. Uh, On that first section, try giving us something just a little more quirky. Okay. Right down to bad karma. Quirky. You want a little bit uh, rye? Rye's nice. Okay. (laughs) And on that back half, try giving us just a little more smile. You got it. Thank you, sir. You're welcome, sir. A little more smile. Did you know that if you smile, your voice sounds happier? It's true. It just opens your throat right up, and you can't help but sound happy. You can even use it in your everyday life. Say you're on the phone talking to your mom, feeling kind of blue, but you don't want her to know. Just smile. I'm good. How are you? She won't have a clue. At Chester's, we don't care what kind of a day you're having. We'll make it all better. 
That's it. Applause in the crowd. <laughs> The, they do have excellent radio voices. Uh, I guess that's kind of an occupational hazard. Uh, that's, that's right. Yeah. Uh, um, I have. I'm feeling a little intimidated now. Actually, I'm not really <laughs> trying to bring it you down a bit. You have a very nice, yeah, radio yeah. voice too. Thank you. And far more down. sincere than mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I got that smile going all the time. Um, so you can find. Uh, can you give us the rundown again on, on where we can see your yes, show? Yes, our show's at the Waterfront uh, Theater, and it's on tonight at 8.30, uh, tomorrow at 9.10, and then on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Friday, I think, is 9.55. I'm not sure, but it's an evening show, and then on Saturday is a 2 o'clock show. Um, so four more chances to catch the show. 8.55 on Friday and 2.10. Um, great. So check that out. Um, and you can, uh, you'll can you get to know a little bit more about how being a silver-tongued devil uh, <laughs> can be both a profession and a, and a personal vocation. That's right. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Thank Megan. you. Cheers. And uh, are we going to – let's go to a, a musical interlude while we set up our next uh, – interviews our next artist sneak peeks we have um we have phoebe vlasis from this is my room coming up next as well as some strapless comedy stay tuned to citr 101.9 and you're listening to some dogwood and dahlia logs and burn the bark Find horizons in the dark Stupid boys with the whiskey hearts If the sky is getting dark If the thunder makes you scared How about you come find me Welcome back to the live broadcast at The Fringe at CITR 101.9, brought to you by The Arts Report. My name is Megan. I'm one of your hosts this fine early evening. It's gorgeous out here. It's gorgeous on the stage because Phoebe Vlasis is here. Oh, stop it. (laughs) Uh, Now, you have a little show, a little site-specific show. 
Uh, and I say little because it's short and sweet, not because it's not fantastic. Yes. Um, called This Is My Room, At Your Room, at 79 East Pender. Yes. Uh, two shows a night, starting a tomorrow night. night, right? Correct. Now, uh, we talked, actually, we met because I contacted you for This Fringy Life. So if people want to know a little bit more about the show and want to get kind of into it, into the nitty-gritty, um, they can find that on our Mixcloud account and on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash artsreport, on our Twitter. It's everywhere. It's on the Fringe site. Because, uh, but, but for the short version right now, introduce us a little bit to This Is My Room. Uh, this Is My Room is a autobiographical, documentary-style theater piece about me. <laughs> And the more I say it, the more crazy I think I am. I can't believe I said I do this and I signed up for this. But um, <laughs> that's what it is. So you come into my personal space and you experience my stories. And I, um, I had a dress rehearsal yesterday. And it was uh, very scary. And I think it's only going to get scarier. Because uh, you were saying when we were talking <laughs> that... Uh, we were talking a little bit about vulnerability, yes. and you said you weren't really sure how you're going to feel about it till the day. Well, um, the day has come, yes, Phoebe Blasses. Yes, yes, and I'm scared shitless, like big time. Um, it's going to be okay. And there's always uh, before show there are always questions in your head, like, is this good? Like, why? Why am I doing this? Why is anyone going to like this? Why am I in theater? Uh, why am why I in am theater? I not do I care if anyone likes it? Yes, I do care. Oh no, I'm not supposed to care. I uh, blah blah whatever, right? But I'm doing it. And it's 33 minutes long, and I think and I hope it's going to be entertaining and insightful somehow for different people, different different things, I guess. And it's it's a little bit about you coming to Vancouver and, yes. and finding it a little different, a little a little emptier than you thought it would be. Yes, I I feel that um, I've been here about three and a half years, and I feel that not many people have opened up completely to me, even though I've known them for a long time. And I think that that is a hard thing in Vancouver for someone to completely open themselves to you. So I feel that that's what I'm, I'm like, hey, Vancouver, you didn't, you didn't open yourself. Here we go. I'm going to do it for you. So I'm going to completely be vulnerable and open up and throw my shit out and my stories and do the exact opposite that Vancouver has done to me. You're leading by example. I'm trying to. Now, your show, as I said, it's very short. It's like 33 minutes. Yes. Lucky double number there. And we don't want to give anything away. No. Um, unlike some of the hour-long shows, there's kind of we don't want to excerpt anything. But I thought maybe to get people at home and, and at the bar to know a little bit about you, um, you would tell us a story. Because I heard one of your stories from The Flame that you did last week at Cottage Bistro, which is a great series, storytelling series. And it was charming as all heck. So, uh, yeah, I thought maybe you could tell, tell us a little story right now and uh, as kind of like an... Uh, an extra bonus content for okay. This Is My Room. Okay, here we go. So, I had a singing lesson in Kitsilano. And Kitsilano is the Greek area, right? And I've never really hung out around there. And whenever I live somewhere away from Greece, I never seek to find the Greeks. I try to stay as far away as possible. But this time, I'm like, let me check. Let me see if I can find some old Greek dudes to hang out with for this afternoon. So I go over to the Acropole, or the Minerva, one of those delis on... Uh, on Broadway, on, I guess, West Broadway, near McDonald. And, um, and I go into the deli, and there's these two old guys, Mr. Adonis and Mr. Dimitris. 
And they're just sitting there chilling, like old seven-year-old Greek dudes do. <laughs> and then there was a, the owner was behind the counter, and I spoke in Greek just to break the ice a little bit. And uh, he asked if he could offer me a coffee. Now, I don't even drink coffee, but I was so excited with the fact that I was going to get a free one. I'm like, <laughs> sure, I'll have a coffee. And uh, I got a Greek coffee. And a Greek coffee is pretty intense for someone who doesn't drink coffee. So I'm sitting there Greek drinking my Greek coffee, chatting to these two old dudes. And then Soto comes in, like a typical Greek dude, like his hair all gelled with like gold shit around his neck and, and, and like a cell phone glued to his hand. And then Soto comes in like a more like a in his 50s, like lefty artist type of dude with like green corduroids and like big glasses. And we all end up chatting about immigration and politics and we all raise our voices and our, have our hands in the air. And I realized that no one was telling me to calm down and no one was telling me to chill out or to count to 10 before I say something, right? So it felt pretty good not being censored that way that I usually do when I'm talking to someone a little too passionately. And, um, and then two of them were going downtown, so they drove me home. And then, so I got a free ride downtown. I had a free coffee, so now I got a free coffee, a free spinach pie. One of Giro Sandoni's got it for me. Then a free ride downtown. Then I went to see some free shows. And then I went out for dinner with a friend and she bought me a meal. And then in the evening, someone, I went out for drinks and I got like drinks bought for me. And I got like a nice free day. And I don't know if it felt good because everything was free or because I connected with all these people and I had a good time. And, and even though that was a really, really good day, I still complain about Vancouver not being interesting enough for me and how boring it is. And I'm like, what the f fudge? What the fudge? <laughs> Why, um, like, how can I just keep complaining about, about that when I have such a beautiful day? And I feel that complaining has become uh, a habit, a habit that has to stop. Thank you so much, Phoebe. I really want to talk with my hands more, so you should. I, I, people are always telling me to tone it down, so we're gonna go hang out with some Greeks yes, next time. Yes, do not tone it down ever, okay. never. Uh, that's the lesson we've learned. Um, so you can check out this is my room at seventy nine East Pender starting tomorrow. Yes, and there's two shows. There's right? two shows a night, one at seven and one at eight fifteen, and it's the Red Door. It's opposite VFS on Pender. And you suggest maybe giving yourself. 10, 15 minutes just to find it, just in case. Yes, please, yeah. There will be, like, fringe signs and stuff like that, but um, it may be a little tricky to find. It's just between Columbia and Corral on the north side of the street, and there, I, I'm not sure I'm supposed to say this on the radio, but Tinseltown apparently has free parking, like, <laughs> for two hours. It's too late now. You said it. There you go. Um, and uh, only 10 people for a show, so book now or get there really early. Exacto. Okay, thank you so much, thank Phoebe. Thank you. Uh, we are going to keep moving along, and uh, I just want to say out there that, that you know anything can happen at the Fringe, so if you're at home and you're listening, um, we might have some fudge bombs. We might have some S-bombs. It might happen, and that's okay. Um, that's okay. Uh, it's, it, we're going to make it a little mature. We might have some mature themes, um, but uh, you've been warned. That's your official warning, so we are going to... Sarah Lapsay, I'm going to hand it back to you in strapless comedy. Thanks, Megan. Uh, Phoebe, that was great. I loved your story. And I worked at a Greek restaurant, so I totally know what you're talking about. Who hasn't? And the Sambuca, <laughs> the yelling, the great food. So good luck with your show. Good luck. So we're on CITR 101.9 FM. We're broadcasting live from the Fringe Festival on Granville Island at the St. Ambrose stage. And thank you, Robin, for doing a great job with the technical stuff and also the dudes back at CITR 
Um, is it Ryan and Hugo that are helping out? CJ. CJ. But he's right here. No, CJ's there. I, I saw him at the, uh, the sub today. Hi, CJ. Thank you. So I'm here with two beautiful women from Strapless. And you can check it out at www.straplesscomedy.com. Yes. It's time to get unstrapped in the name of comedy. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the show. Well, uh, I'm Megan Phillips, by the way. This is Sidney Calarvis. Lucidy Calarvis. I, I always forget if it's Larbs or Larvis. It doesn't matter. Larvis. It's whatever better. you want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to talk to each other. How's that? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we are. Uh, well, I. I say we're a newly formed sketch group, but that's kind of a misnomer because we've all been in the comedy community separately, um, and we have worked together in a in a larger group with the VFS, as in Vancouver Film School Sketch Comedy Company, for many years. Um, mm-hmm. And one of our members, uh, Jackie Blackmore, who I believe you chatted with earlier today, uh, she's been our director for many years. There's another yeah. member. There's another member. Come on up. Come on, Eva. She does. She's shy. Oh, That's but she looks of. amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's the pretty one. Um, but uh, anyway, and so we've all done comedy together. And I mean, from my perspective, I don't know how anybody else's, but it was around this time last year that uh, we met up at an event and that some of us were just feeling creatively sort of dullardy. And uh, we were like, hey, let's do a sketch group. And why don't we make it all ladies? Because there's so much lady talent and not enough showcasing it in this grand city of ours. Uh, And we're funny. So (laughs) let's just make it happen. And then uh, basically some things happened where it didn't look like it was going to happen. And then in the spring of this year, we did end up making the fringe in a waitlist capacity. And we're like, okay, show. Let's make a show. And there we have it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's sketch comedy? I mean, I'm sure I've seen it, but what is it exactly? Sketch comedy. Hmm, well, I'm going to have a different definition than many people. But sketch comedy is, uh, if anyone's ever seen SNL, Saturday Night Live, uh, that is sketch comedy. That's pretty much how I like to describe it to people because it's simple and, and easy and fun. It's not stand-up. It is not uh, improv per se. Uh, it is scripted. And it is a heck of a lot of fun. A lot of work goes into it. Um, it's like short little plays, one minute to five minutes. You don't want to make sketch too long because you don't want to lose your audience, really. Uh, but yeah, it's and it's all meant to be funny on many different levels. Yeah. We all have very different personalities and senses of what is and isn't funny. So uh, yeah, we've got... And that's kind of... Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the most part of yeah, our show. Yeah, like I mean, sketch so comedy was really most popular from like SCTV, like <laughs> mm-hmm. Second City, and or just Second City period. Um, but I mean, our show format, we we really do our best to push the envelope and take uh, as many like as Sadika mentioned, we all have very unique senses of humor, and while we make each other laugh, which I think is it's important to have that golden thread, like to have that Venn diagram of humor where we all kind of get where the other person's coming from. All of us have our own unique brand of what that is. And so we've all co-written the sketches or Mm -hmm. written the sketches ourselves. Mm -hmm. We treated it as a writer's room at the beginning where we all came in with drafts of sketches. And even if it was like the worst piece of writing you've ever (laughs) heard or seen, it actually became one of the funniest sketches in the show because we've all been really supportive of each other throughout. And we would read stuff and be like, oh, that joke would totally work we just tightened the punchline and made the setup a bit longer and blah, yeah. blah, blah. No so. pressure at all because some of us, <clears throat> myself, we don't consider <laughs> ourselves writers. So <laughs> it was like, ooh, this will be fun. Like, I'll yeah. act in whatever you put me in. But Which yeah. is funny because your sketch is one of the funniest in the show. 
Thank it's got you. some of the best reception. Thank you. Yeah. It's yeah, real. So, <laughs> it just yeah. sounds like so much fun working on it, yeah. let yeah. alone performing it and having yeah. people yeah. enjoy it. So you said you all have different personalities. Like, what are the different personalities? Sort of, how would you say, like, what's your... Well, I'm the bitchy one. Nice. Um, <laughs> she is not. She's, a, the, the, she's the, the esoteric least. one. <laughs> Sorry. I'm the one who cries the most. Okay. Let's, <laughs> that's true. Let's, <laughs> oh, in the Mine's play or in life? In life. Aww. In life. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm the one who I don't I don't know. We, uh, I've I'm I do healing. <laughs> yeah, this is our little healer of the group. She's I, very West Coast. I meditate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. We just all have very different personalities. Yeah. And it, we just absolutely have this huge admiration for each other. We're so, so lucky to be working with each other and we get along totally. extremely well. I mean, five women in one room. Totally. Never mind. We have, you know, big personalities, yeah. egos, and whatever the heck else. Like, you know, it's, it's a challenge, but it's, it's been the, one of the greatest challenges, yeah. I think, for, yeah. for many, many of us because it's, it's fun and there and it's there's such a reward at the end of it yeah you know? like look where we get to be yeah part of the fringe on radio stations you know being interviewed i mean you can't you can't really ask for more so yeah. we're just super fortunate super fortunate. and and i think that the big thing is a lot of our comedy is that we don't want to label ourselves right like that's especially coming out like because if any of you seen our poster we're not wearing shirts in our poster and so f- before we or opened nude. people were like so so is it are you guys is it topless are you guys not wearing shirts <laughs> the first I never top of the female that. comedy I never answered anyone who, and that, that's so true anyone who's ever asked I never answer that question because I'm just like it's, you come and see yeah or um, we yeah. have this one sketch who where knows? anyway I won't spoil our sketch but it's uh, it's us um, dan- anyway and they're like so is that the whole show is just that you guys dancing and doing that and like part of me want to be like yeah, yeah. come on out yeah bye tickets yeah, and no <laughs> or or no you won't want to see it yes that is the whole show it's an hour of us dancing on stage you nobody wants to see that but there is music there is yeah. yes there is music and we're when yeah. are you guys gonna sing a little song megan is a trained singer so she's gonna sing <laughs> yay megan well uh little, little yeah clip from it little like a little yeah just 30 yeah, seconds do that Okay, I'll just... There's one um, sketch called Annie in the Laundromat, and I'll just give you, um, yeah, a brief a brief hint. It'll make more sense when you see the show, but uh, if any of you are musical see theater the fans out there, slash musical theater nerds like me, you will uh, love this sketch. Um, sitting, waiting for the laundry... Just to finish its cycle. Why must it take so long? Ah. City no singing. No singing. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot my lines there. Good, good job. It's yeah. a really good show, guys. You should come. We know Memories. our lines really well. <laughs> That's great. No, I, I know it's going to be good. And Jackie did um, indie rock crush for me today. Yeah, awesome. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you. So thank Strapless you. is Strapless. on Performance Works. There's some remaining performances tonight, Monday, September 9th at 8.30 p.m., Wednesday the 11th at 7.45 p.m., Thursday, September 12th at 5 p.m., and the last show is Saturday, September 14th at 12.15 p.m. Yeah, and we sold out on Saturday night, so we, they turned away at least like 20, 20-something people. Wow. So, yeah, get your tickets. Get your tickets okay, yeah. thank you so much for thank coming you. down. Enjoy the sun. Thank Have a you. great performance thank you so tonight. Much. Thanks for having thank us. Yeah, so we're on CITR 101.9 FM, live from the Fringe Festival, and we're going to go to a song right now, and we'll be back in just a few minutes with more performance. 
performers from the fringe. on CITR 101.9 brought to you by the Arts Report listen to that 
Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. on CITR.ca and on air. And we podcast. There's really no excuse for you guys not to be listening at home and here at the St. Ambrose Fringe Bar. Um, now, there's a little bit of moody music coming in there, and I think I think that is really appropriate because we, are, we have a, a special guest from Small Handed Men Theatre Co., uh, preacher man, Marcus Friedman is here. Uh, Hello. He is he is the star, so to speak, of Preacher Man, yes. uh, which will be happening uh, tonight at 8 and then throughout the rest of the week. 8 we'll p.m. 8 p.m. Now, Marcus, you, you're in a bit of a sticky situation hmm? right now How do you mean? in Preacher Man. Well, you're, you're in the electric chair. I'm about to die. Yes, I'm about to die. How, how did this situation occur? Well, you see, I, I, I mowed my daddy down, and then people don't really like you to do that, and so therefore I was sent into the electric chair, which I am is in now, and uh, it's been about 20 years I've been sitting in prison, but it has gone, gone pretty fast for me, and, uh, you know, transition time don't feel long, and where you're going is good. I'm going to heaven soon, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. What's heaven going to be like? Heaven. Heaven's a beautiful place. There's singing, there's food, there's chocolate, I think. I haven't been there yet, but from, from what God and what Jesus tell me, I think it's going to be pretty nice there. So uh, I'm pretty excited. Are you, do, you, do you confess your sins? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord? I don't think I have enough time to confess all my mm. sins. Mm. Now, how? Mm. that's a good point, Marcus. Uh, Marcus, you. why did you mow your daddy down? See, 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 Daddy, Daddy was a, Daddy was a bad man, and and Daddy thought he could talk to Jesus when, in fact, I could talk to him. See, he, I was better at. It. He kept mishearing what Jesus was trying to say, so that was that was his big problem. And he was really a blasphemer, and uh, he was very bad to my mother. So, my goodness, well, he he, he deserved to, to go to hell where he is now. Shh, da- Daddy, Dad, Daddy, shh, shh, shh. No one can hear you, Daddy. He likes to talk to me, but no one can hear him besides me. Well, oh my goodness. So, so what does he say to you? He says that he keeps trying to yell at me the way he did, saying things that ain't quite the truth the way he did. But over time, you know, look who's laughing now. Not him, me. Ha, ha. Well, you're the one going to heaven. Yeah, right soon. What, what are some of the thoughts going through your head right now? As you wait for the chair well, see, to switch on. I want to tell on. people. I want, I, want, I want people to come. People are going to come and see me, watch me die. I think that's a strange thing to do. I don't think those are particularly good or destined for greatness people. So I'm going to give them some words of advice for my life that I think they'll appreciate. And we might help them get into heaven and see God the way I did. Well, I think we'll all really, really appreciate that, Marcus. Mm. Now, you're going to be giving these words advice uh, at the Arts Club Review stage uh, tonight 8 at 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Tuesday, 7.45 p.m. 7.45 on Tuesday as well, yes. Thursday at 5.25 p.m. Thursday at 5, 5.25. It's a weird time for an electrocution, but, it's you know, vi- it's highly specific. I, didn't, I didn't schedule that. Mike McKenzie scheduled that, so, you know, that's on him. Weird timing. And then Saturday at 1 and Sunday at uh, 8.45. Yeah. So very appropriate, a yeah, Sunday ending. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get electrocuted a few times in the next few days, and I really appreciate if y'all could come. That'd be nice for me. Well, you're going to be really, really good at it. Um, now, your execution is written and performed by Jesse uh, Lavercombe. So yeah. maybe, what? can you bring him out, and we can just talk a little bit if about it? If you want. Yeah, it was really nice to meet you, Marcus. Okay. Bye. Bye.
Jesse. Hey. Jesse, it's very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Uh, Jesse, you are, uh, and we had a really nice conversation about your last name. Can you pronounce it again for me? Leverkum. Leverkum. And that is because you are from, not from uh, Canada, because we would say Lavercombe. No. Lavercombe, yeah. Uh, I was in Montreal for a few years, too, and they, they like to say it in a more French way that I was not quite used Which to. Which did you prefer? You know, I, uh, Lavercombe's grown on me, and I was uh, recently... Oh, hey there. Um, I was in a, I composed music for a show in Toronto, and there was a little video they made, and that guy said my name so nice that I kind of liked that, but I still say Leverkum, and my whole family says Leverkum, so. Yeah, because that's your name. So, yeah. um, and, and you're, you're down from the States, and you're, you're up here touring the Fringe with Preacher Man. Yeah. Um, it, you know, having chatted with you, you seemed like a lovely young man. Thank you. How, how does one get the inspiration to play someone like Marcus and to write for him? Um, I, I had a really amazing dramaturg and director at the National Theatre School where this uh, show opened a couple years ago. And, um, you know, my dad actually stuck his hand in a snowblower once and almost tore off his hand. And so that was always been kind of an image in my mind. And wow, then, uh, that's quite the image. I was given, I was kind of doing some improv- impro- improvisational je clown stuff with, uh, with my director. And he, um, and he kind of gave me a few writing prompts like, you know, I want you to say something super racist. I want you to break the fourth wall. I want you to do this. And then I came up, I read in half an hour, I wrote a 15-minute play that is very different than the show now, but it has very much the same tone and still had this event with a lawnmower that's pretty integral to the plot. Um, and this actually, uh, you say, so it's, it's been, it's running for a little bit. Uh, what are some of the reactions that you've gotten? Because it's, it's kind of dark stuff and the idea of killing someone and then going to heaven, like, what what is some of the reactions that you've gotten to Preacher Man? Um, I've gotten a lot of. Uh, there's quite a few funny parts in the beginning that I think try and relax people a little bit so they can kind of have some distance from the character and then almost because he's such a strange person that you kind of need to step back from him in order to then start to like him in a way. So I think he kind of makes tries to make everybody more comfortable and then uh, and then there's a lot of uncomfortable laughter I think, which is kind of what I'm going for. It's kind of in that Buffon type play which i find to be really exciting now i was talking to uh debbie the communications yeah manager at the french who is right here looking lovely as always debbie oh and nice um, person, debbie. she she was kind of she kind of put it in our in our brains a little bit about clowning yeah. and i was like why would this be connected with a clowning theme and you're saying that the buffon style like can you tell us a little bit where yeah. that connection comes from? Uh, I would say it's definitely more of a Buffon show than a clown show. Can you define that for, uh, for our me, people at home? Because I totally sure, know what that yeah. is. Sure, yeah. And there's a lot of people who are like, there are some really professional clowns and Buffons here who are more better at this than I would be. But uh, a clown is kind of like you you laugh at a clown. A clown tries to make you love them and kind of wants wants your love. And uh, a Buffon is like, I see all you judging me and I'm judging you way harder. It's it's like kind of an anti-clown in a way. It's a little more combative. It's a little more awkward and uncomfortable, but it's also very funny, and it comes from a very similar place of play and of joy, and of it, it has a darker edge. There's a lot of pure joy in it too. As as a performer, you come at it with that same kind of like we're here to have fun together, and uh, and I think that that character has a lot of that. And when I when I'm performing it, it's a, it's a dark thing, but I'm having a blast. Like it's not like I'm in a dark headspace or anything. Well, he seems to be in a pretty good headspace. I mean, he's he's happy because he's, he's going calm. home to heaven. Yeah, he's he's very calm about what's going on and it's he really is trying to relax people and tell them something that he thinks is important, which 
is and is also off in some ways, you know, the way that fundamentalists do have a very clear perspective of something so screwed up, I think. And this isn't the only show you're at. If, no. uh, if I flip over your beautiful flyer here, you're also starring in something called Model Wanted, which, you know, at first in the description, there is kind of this, like, crime element. Yeah. Very, very different. Um, smizing like heck on the, on the flyer... Um, but it's, it's, not, it's not a fun model story. It's not a fun model story, no. It's based off of a, a real story out of New Brunswick where the playwright uh, spent a lot of his time growing up. Um, a 17-year-old kid who has very little information about because he was a minor was uh, given a 12-pack of beer and $1,100 to be an amateur model for a night for an older gay photographer. Um, and he ended up killing that photographer with a pair of scissors really late into the night. And that's like hard truth of a story and so the, the play is very much kind of because it's little information it's not trying to fill in those gaps it's more like took that as inspiration and then wrote this other fictional thing and and he's a very he's been an east, he's an east coast writer step taylor he's really funny he's really talented and i mean humor is really in his blood so there's he brings all that to all of his plays and but he, he is telling this really complicated subtle sexual tragedy Really, because he ends up exploring this kind of torn sexuality of this 17-year-old kid and, and what could push a really pretty normal and likable person to such an extreme moment and, and how we kind of view these monsters in our society and how, you know, it's, it, some people kind of are like, well, who's right, who's wrong, who's a good guy, who's a bad guy? And it's no one is, he does an unforgivable thing, but his situation, you can see how he would be pushed to that. And it's an exploration of those events. Okay, well, some, some dark stuff, uh, but some moving stuff. Um, so, Preacher Man, we, we, Marcus and I already, I don't know if you heard that, but we laid no. out, we laid out, well, while you were backstage, we laid out uh, where Preacher Man is happening. And if, if the clowning stuff sounds interesting, we actually are going to be releasing a This Fringy Life on clowning. Um, so we have nice. an arts reporter uh, working on that as we speak. And then Model Wanted, uh, Friendly Haters Theatre Co., starring Jesse, um, is happening tomorrow at 8.55. That's the yeah. text. And then on the 13th at 9.55 and the 15th at 6.45. You have a packed schedule, I do. I have Wednesday off, but then tomorrow and Sunday I, have, I do both the shows back-to-back with, in flipped order. So that's going to be kind of a fun little exercise to put on a bald cap, then take off a bald cap. and. You're, no one is ever going to have to like come at you for your characterization. You're like, listen, these are the plays I did back-to-back. One had a bald cap. <laughs> I can do it. I can do whatever you want. fake tattoos and make me look like a loser. I wasn't going to say anything, but you need to freshen those up. I know. I will. Don't worry. (laughs) Jesse, thanks so much for joining us. Nice to meet you, Megan. And uh, we are going to continue the uh, fringe-tasticness. Sarah is going to talk to the writer and director um, of Scotch and Chocolate, which are two of my favorite things, and I bet there's going to be a lot of those in heaven. So uh, thank you very much for joining us on the live broadcast, CITR 101.9. Sarah Lapsley, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Megan. That was a great interview. Thank you to the preacher man and the bouffant. I like that. I learned something new. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm here with Heather Fisher from Scotch and Chocolate. Hello. And, hi. So you uh, wrote and are directing the play. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the plot of the play it's really interesting um the plot of the play it's it's set in the 1920s backstage at a gentleman's 
club lounge called the Coco Club. There's your chocolate, and the scotch is drunk on stage. Um, <laughs> it deals primarily with vices, and um, really it's these two girls uh, who are dancers at the club, and one is more lovelorn, kind of more um, inexperienced, and she's hoping to be whisked away and find the men of her dreams, and this is kind of what she searches for every night um, with the men who come in there, and, and through the course of the play, she realizes that the man that she was hoping to come get her, someone who, this man who's kind of known in the public eye in, my, in this fictional play, um, doesn't show up at all and actually sends someone to kind of keep her quiet because if word gets out that he was fooling around with this girl, he might might be seen differently and then her dance partner is a little more seasoned and she fell in love once and it didn't work out and so she's very protective of her partner they're friends and would have worked together and it's kind of these contrasting characteristics between the two of them how um, the seasoned dancer really wants to help out her young her young partner but they're they're, both it's really kind of about searching for love and trying to find it. And with these girls, kind of in the 20s, how they were dancers, but there's also that hint of on the side with these gentlemen who come into the club every night, there's, you know, gentlemen callers. They want, they want a night of, of sex, possibly, and that's kind of what, it, what it's about in that sense. And that how, how can they move on from this lifestyle and actually find love if they're so used to this routine of working the room every night and flirting with these men who come in. Can they find love? Can they learn to get on with that? So, yes, we have our, our two female dancers and our, and our hitman and um, a reporter who actually comes in to try and help them out by giving, doing um, like a front-page scoop on this guy who wanting to knock off one of the dancers. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a four-person show. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much the basis of it. Yeah, <laughs> and so the, the gentleman who the one of the dancers is in love with, he doesn't appear. He's sort of this no, yeah, invisible he's, character. He's, he's this looming um, antagonist that I wanted to maintain during the show there was a when i was developing it there was a lot of question about like oh why don't you bring in your antagonist so he's visual and i just enjoyed the concept of exploring it where he he never comes in and you never physically see him Mm -hmm. on stage it's just like this looming yeah darkness kind of overshadowing it yeah yeah so what inspired it for you um (laughs) really i remember when i when i won the lottery for for fringe and I, I originally t- like said a few words about it and it's, it was still scotch and chocolate back then and then I wanted to address sex addiction and that kind of concept and then it, it just developed into this story about finding love but it was really I wanted to explore the concept of sex addiction and even from like a, a female perspective mm-hmm. but in a way so that it doesn't just come across as promiscuity but as like a struggle yeah definitely with these two female characters yeah. how can how can I? Yeah. So caught in this trap of sort of a love addiction, the, the seduction part of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. I could talk to you about that all day. <laughs> and so um, how's the show going so far? What's the it's response? It's been going really well. And um, yeah, the response has been really good. I'm happy 
with the way it's been going. We have uh, four more performances left to go. And yeah, it's, it's been an interesting process because it's definitely, it has music to it, but it's not a musical in the traditional sense. It's more of a cabaret kind of style because when these girls perform in the Gentlemen's Club, it's, it's an actual performance. They're not breaking out into song the way they normally would. And they do dance routines. So there's a mix of original music done by... Carrie O'Donovan and choreography done by Liz Millard. So yeah, it's been it's yeah very interesting. So it sort of worked into the performance, like their cabaret bits yes. are worked into the yeah. play. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow, yeah. that sounds amazing. So, um, Scotch and Chocolate. Heather Fisher is with us, the writer mm-hmm. and director of the play, and it's funny, naughty, fourteen plus, <laughs> coarse language, sexual yes. content. Definitely. <laughs> and there's a few more performances left tonight, September 9th at 9.45 p.m., Thursday, September 12th at 6.15 p.m., Friday, September 13th at 9 p.m., and Saturday, September 14th at 2.10 p.m. And where is the location for that? It is at Studio 16, so it's just off of 7th. Well, it's on 7th, just off of Granville. Okay, yeah. so we can find all that on the Fringe website. Yes. Well, thank Definitely. you so much for thank coming you so in. Thank for coming in. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, so have you seen anything else so far? I have. I saw Naked Love last night, and I was hoping to go see Butt Kapinski. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think For our show tonight, yeah. I think he's around. He might be here. Butt Kapinski. I don't know. Yeah, no. Is he here? Maybe. Not yet. Well, Jeez. we've got more coming up. We're going to play yes. a song, and you're on CITR 101.9 FM. We're live from the Fringe Festival. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Regulators. You regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steal, if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Tune into the Copyright Experiment Thursday nights at 11 with Autonomy and DJ Mochi. We discuss digital media and copyright and play a wide range of freely available electronic and hip-hop music. Or just visit our website for a list of links to the free music we play. That's copyrightexperiment.tumblr.com. Dreadful sacrifice. The music you're listening to is completely electronic. Only a fool would ignore this. I'd like to demonstrate for you some of the rather more weird kinds of sounds. See how relaxed you're getting? Every Sunday night at 7 o'clock here on CITR 101.9 FM is More Than Human, your weekly guide to all that is new, weird and wonderful in the world of electronic music. So please join me, Gareth Moses, for electronic music old and new, inane comments and the occasional sacrifice. More Than Human on CITR. Ever thought about studying abroad? 
Visit the Study and Go Abroad Fair on Thursday, September 26th at the Vancouver Convention Center East Wing to meet with universities from around the world offering post-grad, undergrad, and diploma programs abroad. Find out more about admission requirements, programs, and scholarships. Check out our Travel Zone for volunteering, language programs, adventure travel, and work abroad. Expo opens at 3 p.m., but come early at 2 p.m. for our feature seminar on scholarships. Admission is free. Check the website for more info at www.studyandgoabroad.com. Please remember to watch your language. Look, I can't speak without swearing, and I've only got my grade 10, and I haven't had a cigarette since I've been arrested, and I'm ready to f***ing snap. So I'd like to make a request under the People's Freedom of Choices and Voices Act that I'd be able to smoke and swear in your court. Because if I can't smoke and swear, I'm f***ed. The following programming may contain content that some listeners find offensive. If you are sensitive to foul language or explicit content, please turn your radio the f*** off now. Hey, we're back on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm Sarah Lapsley, the co-host of The Arts Report, and I'm here with Megan co-host of the Arts Report, and we're in the St. Ambrose stage, and it's a beautiful sunny evening, and I am here with Travis Bernhardt, <laughs> whose correct. show, Unpossible, yes. is playing, so I was excited to interview you because you're a magician, like that's your job. That's my job. Magic. So what, what does a day, what does a typical day look like? Really? Uh, okay. Um, I, well, there isn't really a typical day, uh, because... Um, it all depends on whether you're booked for something or you have something happening. So, um, I guess things that I might do that are related to my job would be practicing, researching, that sort of a deal. Um, but a typical day is probably, that would be difficult to say yeah. what that meant. But so you might be booked at events? Is that the kind sure, of thing? Yeah. Do? Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, uh. It's a job, so I pretty much work with whoever will hire me. <laughs> um, uh, so it could be, say, around Christmas time, could be like company parties and things like that throughout the year. Other types of, I'll do house parties, I'll do um, uh, not so much children's parties. Uh, it happens occasionally, but uh, you have to specialize. It's kind right. of a, it, it's its own set of skills. It's not yeah. really the same thing. And, um, and then, of course, theater shows, cabaret spots arts festival kind of things. How did you get into it? Uh, well, there's not really a great origin story. I just saw a clip of some magic on the internet about eight years ago. And I was like, oh yeah, I used to do that when I was a kid. And so I uh, started practicing and going to the library and reading books and slowly building up a repertoire. And then um, in 2008, I decided that I would uh, go full-time and uh, perform uh, as a street performer uh, here at Granville Island, actually, where we're standing, and uh, started making a living street performing, doing magic. Wow. And so you've developed in, into a show at the Fringe. Sure, yeah. So what did that look like? You were telling Megan earlier well, about how uh, it developed. Slow process. Um, I guess there's like the larger meta process of how one gets to where one is. But this specific show uh, was developed with the idea of a certain ending in mind. Uh, so I had a, a specific ending that I wanted to get, a type of ending even, and then I had to find out 
what that specifically looked like. And I'm being intentionally vague because I don't want to give away <laughs> the ending. Right. Um, but uh, so I worked on, on that. And eventually when I figured out what the ending was really going to be and the details of it, then it was like a backwards process of figuring out how to get there. Sort of a problem-solving, puzzle-solving sort of thing, trying to figure out how to make that work. And so now I have a show that... Uh, it's a magic show, as all my shows are. And, uh, but I think what's interesting about it is that um, it's got kind of like a... It's a sort of a thrust to it. Not one that's apparent from the start, but ongoing. A thrust. That's sure. intriguing. Yeah. But you don't want to give it away. I really shouldn't, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm even saying that's probably too much. Right, okay. But do you have a persona that's different from your everyday persona in terms of being I think a every performer does, but uh, um, I would say that mine is really... It's not substantially different from what I'm like in real life. It really is a persona as opposed to a character. It's mm -hmm. uh, A few things are amplified. I'm, you know... I <laughs> excuse me. Maybe a little bit more of a jerk on stage. <laughs> but... Um, but maybe in a playful way, one hopes. Mm -hmm. um, clown terms, maybe like more of a Joey. And uh, so it's me, but it's like heightened version of me, that kind of thing. And so it says here, um, psychological manipulation. Sure. And what's this word? Legitimane. Legitimane yeah. is a fancy French word for magic. Um, sleight of hand. Manipulation of objects, that sort of thing. Okay. What's um, the psychological manipulation part? Well, there's a fair bit of that, actually, in the show. It's, uh, the show is kind of split into two halves. Uh, there's the sort of sleight of hand kind of half and the more psychological manipulation sort of half, uh, which is about... Um, I mean, all magic is psychological manipulation to some degree, but this one is just more overtly so. Um, tricks that have to do with people's choices and behavior and things like that. Again, trying to be a little bit vague. Yeah, I'm just like, what? I want to know. Well, yeah, hmm. I mean, like, see, the problem is, the more that I give away about what happens in the show, right. the less it's a surprise when you see it. Yeah. Um, but I will say that uh, it looks like mind reading, right. for the most part, uh, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, it kind of is, in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you... We take a broad definition of the word mind reading. Yeah. yeah. So is there, like, being interested in magic, is there typically an association between, you know, the kind of sleight of hand, like, or circusy magic and the actual occult magic? Like, does every magician oh, oh, have that interest question. in occult? Uh, no, I would say no. Um, I mean, that, that question could get very deep if we followed it. it. It's like, I think that what I do is called magic, uh, and, but magic is really, I think... And the other magicians would disagree with me on this, but I follow the, the writing of a guy named Whit Hayden from the States, uh, California, I guess now, where he works at the Magic Castle. And he's written a lot about magic theory in recent years, and I really agree with a lot of what he has to say. And I think that one thing that he says is that, uh, it was controversial, but that magic is not really the right word for what we're doing. Um, magic is only one of the many presentations for what we do. So magic is the imaginary cause that we claim for any given trick. But we could claim other imaginary causes. We could claim it was science. We could claim it was psychological manipulation. We could claim it was uh, any number of things. Um, but what's happening underneath that is this, what he calls theater of the impossible, or theater of the dilemma, as he calls it. 
in which case theater of the impossible would include everything from on one side uh, Peter Pan, you can see the string you're flying across the stage but the theater audience can see the string, they can see the rope because it doesn't matter the point isn't to fool people into thinking Peter Pan is flying, the point is he's flying for story reasons Uh, and then that's one kind of theatrical special effect, very obvious there's no need to fool anybody if you could, couldn't see the rope, Peter Pan, then you'd be like, what? How is he flying? How are they right. making him do that? And you'd be distracted. You wouldn't be paying attention to the story. Um, and there's a continuum from that kind of deception all the way across to the other side of people who claim to talk to your dead relatives, say, or people who actually claim this, like claim mm-hmm. they're actually doing what they're doing, um, trying to actually make you believe that they have real magical powers, mm-hmm. that sort of a thing. And right in the middle of that continuum, on one side, theater magic, where we don't care if anybody's fooled. On the other side, real life, you know, he rubs the egg all over your body and it's rotten and you think you've removed the curse kind of a thing. Right in the middle of that is what a magician does, like myself does, mm-hmm. um, which is to say we create the impression of something impossible, but we let you fully know that it's theater. Right. Um, and that dilemma that it looks like magic, but there's no such thing as magic. How could it be? That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think to call that... I mean, the magic is the right word for it, I think, because it's just it's what it looks like. But um, to say that there's a connection to the occult, I would say only if the specific magician wants that to be mm-hmm. there. Uh, and I personally don't go there in my work. Yeah. Do you? So do you believe in clairvoyant abilities or...? No, I don't. So... So it's all science to you or psychological manipulation? Well, I mean... I, or some, you know the mechanics behind it? Often. I mean, I think that it's, uh, there's a lot of mistakes in thinking that we can make. And uh, a lot of ways people can be fooled, fool themselves. Mm-hmm. We're good at fooling ourselves. We very much are. <laughs> and I think that uh, as a magician, you see a lot of how that can work. I think a lot of magicians, not all of them, there's certainly camps that aren't, but a lot of magicians tend to be aligned more with what you might consider the skeptical kind of side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's only natural. Yeah. Because um, you, you're a student of deception. Yeah. A student of deception. I think that'd be a good band name. Heavy metal, heavy <laughs> metal band name. Yeah. And so do you have any uh, inspirations, people that you look up to? You mentioned the author of that Yeah, he's wonderful. Whit Hayden. He's fantastic. Pop Hayden. Uh, he plays a character. Do you like Ricky Jay? I love Ricky Jay. He's yeah, awesome. He's I saw him in Toronto. Oh, did you really got, see him? Yeah. Live? That's great. Uh, live. And he has an amazing collection of sort of 19th century... Oh, yeah magic posters and paraphernalia. Yeah, totally. Ricky Jay is a master. He's one of the greatest magicians alive. Yeah. So we've got some musical performances coming up. I'm going to turn it back over to Megan in a minute, but thank you, Travis Bernhardt. That was really interesting to talk to you. Um, <laughs> and you've welcome. got thank a you. show tonight at 10.30 p.m. I do, 10.30 p.m. Uh, Thursday, September 12th at 7 p.m. Yep. Friday, September 13th at 8 50 p.m. Mm-hmm. and Saturday, September 14th at 2.15 p.m. And where where is it being your show held? It's at Performance Works. Performance Works. Island. That's the big venue. Yeah. One of them, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again for Thank coming you. on. Thanks Good to talk to you. Me. Good luck tonight. Cheers. And I'll turn it back over to Megan. I just I just wanted to say but before we go to go a little more music, and then we'll have some musical theater, is that I actually did see Travis uh, at Unpossible, and it was Unpossible. 
all of the things were impossible. Uh, there was definitely some gasping going on. Um, and myself, uh, many exclamations did occur. It was really, really fun. So I definitely recommend it. Um, lots of, lots of little red balls. That's all I'll say. A surprising amount. Um, let's, let's, kick it to some more fringe-oriented music, and when we return, uh, we'll have an epitome of regret. And when Robin played that PSA about warning everyone about, you know, mature content, I was like, we have a magician, and then we have some musical theater, but here's the thing about musical theater, one of the sweetest-looking ladies just came up to me and asked if I could say cock on the radio, so you never know. Musical theater, they're dirty. Witnesses, Art and Canada's Indian Residential Schools. An exhibition featuring artists from across Canada who have directly experienced residential schools or are witnesses to its ongoing impact. Programming will include guided tours, lectures, artist talks, performances, and online programs. From September 6th to December 1st at the Belkin Gallery, Main Mall, UBC. All are welcome. Admission is free. For more information, visit belkin.ubc.ca. The 32nd annual Vancouver International Film Festival, one of the largest festivals in North America, runs from September 26th to October 11th. Over 140,000 film fans enjoy a dynamic roster of 340 films from 70 countries. Considered one of the most accessible and friendly festivals, the 16-day annual celebration of film features renowned Canadian, Asian, international, and award-winning films, as well as documentaries from around the globe. For full details, go to viff.org. Welcome back to the live broadcast at the Fringe, our last interview of the day. It's always so sad and it always goes so fast. We have the amazing cast here of the Epitome of Regret from Mad Resilience Theater. Welcome, you guys. Um, And let's introduce each of you, just just your your real selves, your prima persona. Uh, Let's start with the director. My name is Mark Dadowin. I'm the writer-director of Epitome of Regret. All right, I'm Megan Tuck, and I play two different characters in the show. Uh, my name is Tony Babcock, and I play three different characters in the show, so there. My name is Nicole Marie McCafferty, and I also play three different characters in the Ooh. show. It's okay, Megan, quantity over quality. No, wait, it's the other way around. Right? <laughs> um, so, okay, so the Epitome of Regret, which is playing, uh, has, you've already had a show today, mm-hmm. um, so thanks for joining us. Still made up, made up and such. And then again on September 11th at 7.45, the 14th at 10.15, and the 15th at 5. Now, there's a lot of characters in this. A whore, a hyperbolic lunatic, a nerdy outsider, a cocky French barista, and a sexy grandma. Aren't all grandmas sexy, though? That's right. Come on, guys. Um, so uh, what is the setting of this musical? Tell us a little bit about the story behind it. It's about uh, two competing cafe owners. Uh, they're complete opposites. One r- runs a rundown cafe, and the other one is a newcomer who uh, runs a world-class cl- uh, patisserie. Uh, and basically, there's, it's set in a surreal world where everyone uh, just basically sings away their problems. They make light of all their problems. <laughs> now, you're actually originally like more about... You, you're a songwriter and film director in the past, so what brought you to the musical genre with these madcap kids? 
Um, primarily, I was a, a songwriter. I've been doing it uh, basically since I was five. Um, and uh, I've been doing film for, for quite some time now, and I've always wanted to do a musical um, on film. Um, but I was uh, collaborating with, uh, with the people on set of my last film, Six Degrees Without Separation, and uh, we uh, decided to venture into theater. And what, what we did was uh, I, just, I started writing it back in September, uh, and I gathered these fine folks here. They're all my, my amazing cast uh, who have an extensive uh, uh, resume of, of uh, musical theory, theater. And uh, yeah, they're, they're just amazing. And uh, yeah, and it was, it's been a long journey, but, uh, but uh, we're finally here and it's uh, really paying off. Here on the exclusive fringe stage with me. Dun, dun, um, dun. So now... You guys uh, have worked together before? Uh, yes. Uh, Tony Babcock, he was uh, actually my uh, co-producer and lead actor in my first two films. Uh, Megan was actually uh, starring in my first film as well. And uh, Nicole Marie McCafferty, uh, she's uh, new to the Mad Resilience team, uh, but uh, we held auditions for the roles of Jessamine and, and Ludmilla, and she blew us away. Uh, she was uh, absolutely amazing, and it's, uh, I'm glad to have her on our team. And kind of my last question, and feel free, any of you guys, to answer this, but, I mean, they seem like such different beasts, even if you are, you know, are used to writing songs. So do any of you have, um, and keep them as hilarious as possible, but, um, and it, you know, or poignant, fine, I guess. Um, what are some of the differences you found between working on these film pieces versus musical theater? Can you give us an insider's point of view on the differences? I'll jump in here. Um, I, uh, for me, because uh, I, I, I do my best to work in both mediums as much as I can because I love them. Um, but I find musical theater, what's so great about it, especially with this show that we're doing here, is that it's such a heightened sense of everything. It's such a heightened sense of emotion. Um, you're playing like you know at the height of these characters' lives and the heights of their relationships. Um, what's also great is that you're every night we're in front of an audience on a stage that's going to be completely different. And when you're filming, you know, it's it's you know, it's you on a small set, you know, talking with a microphone in front of you. Kind of like this, <laughs> except for it's a different kind of microphone, and uh, you don't really know because it's the editing room. It's a whole new thing. You wait, you know, months and months, and then you get to see the film. The great thing about uh, musical theater, in particular, is that it's it's uh, so great to have a response from an audience and to play off of that. And the energy is just so infectious. So one thing that's really fun about musical theater is that you don't get to go back and do a second take. So it's always kind of fun. Sometimes you find yourself surprised. Um, I'm going to do this to you, Nicole. I am. <laughs> Sometimes people fall off stages in the middle of performances. She is calling you out. That's uh, right. Sometimes you hit your crotch on the way down. Yeah, she did. I did. She it's hit her crotch on the way but down. That's live theater, and you have to just pick up and keep moving. Whereas this is a raunchy play. Oh film, yeah. You just, you just, you know, you're like, oh, I didn't really like that one. Let's do it again. So yes. you don't, you don't get retakes in musical theater. Uh, do you guys have an epitome of regret? Do you have, do you have something that you regret? Did you draw, and, and if so, did you draw on it for the... I think that with any project, there's always those moments where you're like, dear God, why did I sign up for this? <laughs> so, um, surprise, Mark. No, I'm just joking. It's um, not a surprise. Not just a surprise. Kidding. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, as an actor, too, I, that's a prevalent thing for me is that there's been, and I'm definitely not talking about this show, but there's been shows in the past where I'm like in the middle of it, and I'm like... What am I doing here? 
and uh, and that can be a big regret. But yeah, at the end of the day, like I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason, and you take life lessons from every you know every relationship you're in, every play that you do, every job that you take, every you know city that you visit, and uh, and so a big regret of mine was that I didn't come to Vancouver until now because it's right. a beautiful city. It's Love gorgeous. it. Who are you brown nosing? I don't know. Everyone. The whole listening. city. The whole city. I love Vancouver. I don't know. I guess mine is uh, unrelated to performing because I just feel so fortunate to be here with you guys and to be able to to pretend that this is a job and not just a whole lot of fun. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. So mine's not performance related. Mine is that uh, I didn't move in with my grandmother when I had the chance because she uh, is a big inspiration and I love her very much. And uh, she uh, she is my hoo-hoo, as you would say if you were Luke. That'll make sense when you watch the show. (laughs) If you watch the show, you'll understand. She's a sexy grandma. Yeah, she is my personal sexy grandma. (laughs) Well, well, I don't. I can't hold it in anymore. I really want you guys are going to close us out for this evening. Yes. Very excited. Um, we we're going to hear a performance, a little bit of a medley of a couple of shows. But you know what I want to do first? I want to meet the cast because I <laughs> I can't from this little description. You can't get like I'm so curious. So what we're going to do is we're going to meet the whole cast. We're going to bring them on stage, <laughs> and uh, we're going to and at the very end of your introductions, you're going to sing songs as your as those very last characters that you introduced. Right. So it's going to be amazing. So so please take it away. Uh, the cast of Epitome of Regret. Alright, so uh, that woman is a watermelon and therefore she is fat. That man is a pomegranate and therefore he is gay. And you? You are a lemon and therefore you are sour. I would like you to start saying V. What are V doing here? And that is where your problem lies. Remember in psychology class when the uh, professor talked about defense mechanisms? I want you to assign an inanimate object for every person you meet. And in no time, you'll discover that nobody, absolutely nobody, can get under your skin. Hey, cat, there you are. Oh, Matthew, I was just singing about you. Really? What about? Just about how wonderful you are. <laughs> well, you know what? I was just singing about you, too. Really? Oh, that is borderline destiny. I don't think that's borderline anything. It's just a coincidence. Oh, Matthew, I love it when you correct me, especially <laughs> when it's just your humble opinion. Yeah. I didn't know you could sing. Oh, you I... always said those idiots at karaoke night should be shot dead on stage. As they should. What were you singing about me anyway? No, no, no. Oh, come on, Matthew. I was just concerned about your pussy. Did you feed her? It must be hungry. Ah, uh, she doesn't want cock? What an ambiguous thing to say. Is she really stating she prefers fish over chicken? Or maybe she's really just a vegetarian. Hmm. I told you, I'm not a street hooker. I'm an escort. My clients are respectable. Okay, so this is one of <laughs> the songs the eight characters. from the show that I'm going to sing next, Mark. Uh, the first song is going to be Helpless and I Like It That Way, sung by Megan Tuck, and followed by She Never Laid Eyes, sung by Tony Babcock and Nicole Marie McCafferty. And not all these songs are uh, as clean as these we've chosen, so uh, <laughs> yes. you're prepared if you happen to come to the show. We did have to choose the two most radio-friendly songs <laughs> on the list. So here we go. Has it really been three years? I've been sleeping alone in this contour twin bed made for two. Well, who cares what is three years? I mean, it's still five days shy of eleven hundred days without being screwed. 
Doing one last set of dishes every evening Paying all those stacks of bills all on my own Allocating extra time on oral hygiene One less favorite contact on my goddamn phone It's been great these last three years But not as great as a previous
Oh. What is that? That's the uh, the landmark Limp Biscuit album. Uh, Limp Biscuit. Oh my God! I mean, that, that... wait. You don't agree that those are the most crucial grooves you've heard since Funkadelic? Uh, what Limp Biscuit grooves? Absolutely, it's I like don't. the ultimate cross between between Funkadelic and Rob Tyner. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't agree at all. Oh, y- you do not deserve a radio show. CITR 101.9 FM, your crucial groove station.
part of a lead single from August last year before the album came out called 12-Bit Blues that was Kid Koala with 6-Bit Blues and if you just Kid Koala picking up a sampler that I'd be wishing for when he was in his in the 90s as opposed to when he was in his 90s and that would be the immortal EMU SP-1200 sampler he finally picked one up a couple years ago and he decided to sort of go backwards in time since most sampling technology right now is a little more advanced. And sort of as a back to basics thing, he decided to make an entire album based and sampled on the blues, as we heard there. Now, there's a limited edition uh, album and CD release that came with the Junior Cardboard Harand Power Turntable Kit, which allowed you to basically cut out the album, as it were, from cardboard and then build a little kit and you just spin around the little stylus and music would come out without electronics whatsoever but a regular version did come out it is available through Ninja Tune Records as well too as a flexi disc as an audio science kit and they did market yes there are 12 new songs with that so you are now tuned into Exploding Head Movies this is your cinematically inspired program here found on UBC's robotically active community radio station here at UBC campus, C-I-T-R. Find us on the FM dial at 101.9 in Vancouver in the lower mainland of British Columbia. And you can find us on the web at www.citr.ca. My name is Gak, and I'll be making all the lights blink here for the next couple of hours. Phone over the station here, 604-822-2487. Do keep it short and sweet and to the point. Actually, I'm expecting one call here in the next little while since we do have an interview lined up. Otherwise, you can email me at radiofreegack at gmail.com. So in the background, this is an act I've played from town here before. This is a No UFOs. A little something called Symbolic Demarcation at 450 milliseconds. And this is I was off last year's MPC Tracks Volume 1 compilation through the nice Up Air National. And new no UFOs will be playing at the Center for Digital Media Arts this Friday as part of the New Forms Festival. So he's going to be in the hangar. It's on 557 Great Northern Way. He's going to be at 11 p.m. He'll be joined by Lee Gamble and Doppler Effect. And a little art installation called the 1024 Architecture. So New Forms Festival is going to be from September 12th. That'll be Thursday, lasting to the 15th, where there's a big Sunday party. At Brighton Park. So coming up in about seven minutes' time or so, expecting a call from uh, local bass producer Kalamaka, who will be performing as well too. And uh, actually, towards the end of the show, we're going to actually profile his score to the 2003 Canadian indie film On the Corner. But we're going to start off with Klein 
who also will be part of New Forms Festival. He's going to be playing this Saturday at the Hangar, also at the Center for Digital Media Arts. And he'll actually be joined that night with Kalamaka. And a few of the other lists we're going to listen to for the start of the show here. So this is a little collaboration that he did with Autem that uh, came out just a little while ago. This is Klein and Autem with Wander with me here on Exploding Head Movies, CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. Metamorphest is Mount Pleasant Neighborhood House's annual block party. We're taking over three blocks around Fraser and Broadway on September 28th from 12 to 6. 
There are three streets of food, art, and two stages of music with performances by hip-hop duo K-Rec and Estia Elements, gospel trio The Sojourners, and Vancouver punk band Peace. Western Front is back this year with Sonic Playground as well as installations throughout the neighborhood hosted by Broadway East Art Walk. Come celebrate Mount Pleasant with us on September 28th at East Broadway and Prince Albert near Fraser Street for a full day of music, art, and more.
So from his latest album all the way up, we heard Kalamaka there with Babe. And if everything's working here, we will have him on the line. So we just turn down a few things. Hello, Kalamaka, are you there? Kalamaka, me. Awesome. All right, everything sounds good. You can hear yourself. Yeah. Perfect. All right, so how's it going? Good. How are you? Not too bad. It seems like our phones are working here. I know that we had a little bit of issues with uh, your internet going out, so you're just on your cell there. Yep. So uh, you set up for New Forms? I'm ready. Uh, that's right. You've had a little bit of a history with New Forms Festival as well, too. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I was just looking at one of my... I was looking at old uh, sets and stuff, and I was like, I found one from uh, from New Forms 3. So, Not too bad. So that would have been 2006, or which year? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a hell of a long time ago, let's just say. That's quite... And uh, do you go to New Forms every year at all? Like, how do you keep track of what's going on that way? Or are you usually I've busy with your own stuff? I've either been playing or I've either been going pretty much every year since... Um, I, I might have not been at the first... I don't know when dub form started, but that was kind of when uh, Michael Red got involved and started booking, like, trying to do, like, dub form sort of a, a, a part of new forms, and I think that's when I really first started playing, so... Okay. I might have missed the first couple of years, but after that, I've pretty much been to everyone, so... Nice. What uh, what stands out for you 